0: Bum-ba-da-dum-bum-bum. Welcome, ladies and germs, to another stintillating episode of Never Stay Dead. I am co-host number two,
1: Mathemolomew, and... Mathemolomew, that goes wonderfully with stintillating. Um, I am (laughs) Damien, your other co-creator of this amazing podcast. I share copyrights with Matt. When we we sell out to Hollywood, we will make equal amounts of money.
0: Sure. So we are going to talk about The New Mutants, Volume 1 from way back in the day, 84, issues 18 through 20, which is the Demon Bear Saga, which also marks the introduction of Bill... Sinkevich. That's how I've
1: it? heard people say it. It doesn't look like it's spelled that way, but Bill Sinkevich is how it seems to be. All his
0: materials has like a Sin and then like a Kev and then an itch, like how to pronounce his name in it, because I guess I got annoyed. It, so it that's looks like
1: Sinkewitz or something. Right. Um but yeah, so and and I didn't realize, I just assumed when we started reading this that this was after he did his famous Electra book with uh, Frank Miller but it's actually before that's interesting pretty early in in his breakthrough as an artist that people noticed as opposed to just another uh, Neil Adams clone which he so he started out on Moon Knight as a Neil Adams clone and slowly evolved this style that we're seeing here and I don't know when he I think I think that that was his that Moon Knight was his last work before this
0: Yes, it, it made a big deal in the issue before in the, like, coming box that the art was going to be changed up to this new dynamic art with Bill kevitch that should match the book and take things to the next level, which, I mean, I get that they're promoting the next guy coming in, but the guy doing it before him was uh, Sal Buscema. Right. He's another great, so, I don't know, yeah. I, I mean, I guess they're only saying positive
1: things, but it, I couldn't help but be like,
0: eh, what about... Well, the guy who's been doing. The I book. think
1: because Sal, Sal was pretty much someone who people completely took for granted back then. He was a workhorse who would do up to four books a month, and so and was kind of the expected Marvel style, perhaps.
0: And the only time I've heard him as a standout among fans was when he was doing Spectacular Spider-Man in the nineties. I'm sure there's others, but that's what I've mostly heard of. I mean,
1: you find out now that people loved him back in the day, like when he did Captain America and Defenders also, but he didn't mm-hmm. get much press at the time. And he was overshadowed by the fame of his brother, John Buscema, I suppose. Which is so weird. I never heard of John. I don't know if I've read a comic with this stuff. Well, maybe he died before you know, long before you started poking in the comics because he died relatively young. I mean, he he was a he was a mainstay of the of the late '60s and '70s Marvel. Okay, and can, I think he continued on the Avengers and a few other things, and probably Conan into the '80s, and then I'm not sure when he died, but it was pretty young, like right. younger than I am now, I think. Um, so on the other hand, um, so yeah, it is kind of unfair, I suppose, to people like Sal Buscemi, But on the other hand, this was pretty darn spectacular artwork right and so i didn't
0: even get a chance to say this is a claremont um he does the first healthy chunk of the new mutants as a spinoff book of the x-men so these
1: these three issues are written by chris claremont and bill sinkovic is the artist and Glenis when Glenis ween is the colorist and Nicolas Senti is the editor. I thought that was an interesting thing because I've heard Claremont say great things about Anne Nocenti. I guess I'm mispronouncing her name too.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, a pretty impressive bunch. Yeah, and I mean, we open on this page where you can't really make out who it is, but they're under this quilt that like fades into being a bear's face. Right. It's very spooky.
1: And I guess if if you know these characters really well, you see her braided hair and you can guess that it's...
0: Danny Moonstar. Moonstar.
1: Yeah. And what's her superhero name?
0: It's either... Because she has two, but at this point, it's only um,
1: Mirage, I believe. Right. Okay. So like I... This is what we were starting to talk about off air, but I got... I, I couldn't keep track of all... Who all the, what all the characters' names were, and their superhero names, and their regular names. Well, And I went back to read issue number one, thinking that would give me a good intro. But in fact, issue number one is kind of like issue number two, and there was a graphic novel beforehand that introduced all these characters. So issue one did not help me much, and reminded me why I think I only read the first issue of this series back in 1984
0: and i'd argue that the first chunk of the new mutants is kind of dry and something to push through mm-hmm. um the, there's a lot of character introduction there's a lot of building there's some interesting elements but it's not until the characters are kind of developed and can bounce off of each other that the book kind of comes together which only really happens about an arc before this story uh-huh. Um, because they spend most of the issues before this one in this long thing where they get brought away to this area where ancient Rome never moved on basically. And, and they get the character, uh, magma there and they come back and, and it's this whole to do. Um, and so Magma's in this issue, but she's still relatively fresh as a character.
1: And this makes me think of how I ended up not reading X-Men books because of my bad habit of dipping in and out. And eventually I would dip back into the X-Men and just not understand anything, (laughs) who any of the characters were and stuff. Um, So we're getting into a period where Claremont's very confident that his audience knows everything he's written and can put the pieces together maybe.
0: It feels like Claremont's breaking the Marvel rule of the idea that any comic could be someone's first
1: comic. Right. And he used to be very slavishly applying that in the earlier X-Men books that we read. So I was a bit surprised that he'd moved so far off that mark.
0: I honestly wonder, like, with stuff like that, if A, him coming in and then being more confident, maybe knowing that he has a more developed and devoted audience might be a part of it, but also if maybe having a different editor uh
1: makes a big difference there could a lot be the editor maybe and Nocenti did not see the point whereas the original editor i guess was len ween and maybe after that marv wolfman or someone like that
0: and we're also talking what a decade later so the game changed and
1: at this point he is the author of marvel's by far best-selling comics so he is the uh, 800-pound gorilla in the room at marvel which he was not you know back in 1975 or 76
0: another great point yeah a lot of factors going in um i knew when you started reading this book because you were messaging me all these questions <laughs> um which really boiled down to one question which is what is the difference between these redheaded girls i can't yeah. tell
1: who's who <laughs> well before we go into that because that turned out to be a dead end in terms of the story Should we just give our audience, those who haven't read this or don't plan to read it soon, um, a quick rundown on what happens in these three issues? Uh, I can do it quite quickly, or if you want to throw it out, I mean, it's a pretty... You can do it quite quickly. Go ahead. I think this is It's a a very basic story, right? Um, Danny and whatever her... Moonstar, did you say? Is having visions and dreams and then is literally attacked by this... uh, magical ghost bear and mm. is nearly dead and they take her to the hospital the other members of the New Mutants Professor X is just away and has left apparently no adult to help take care of them because um, they all seem to be about 13 I would guess 13 to 15 maybe
0: uh, with uh, Sam maybe being a bit older yeah so they
1: they take her to the hospital and she's in surgery and uh, may not live and may be paralyzed for life. Uh, uh, The demon bear starts attacking the hospital and Ileana casts some spells. And ultimately what happens is the operating room that contains Danny and the other members of the um, New Mutants and some police officers who happen to be on the scene all get drawn into this mystical primeval magical version of the Western United States to then. Be-
0: Colorado specifically. Oh, do yeah. they
1: specify that? Okay. Uh,
0: they, well, they may not. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Little, little t- Colorado. So rarely gets mentioned. I get very giddy uh, when it's <laughs> actually part of the nope,
1: Colorado makes perfect sense. Anyway, it's to me, it was some mystical Western. It was before it was, it was something out of time in some fashion, in some magical way. Mm-hmm. And so it's all this is all magic. Um so Ileana the what's her proper name? Magic. Her is name her. is magic, right. And she is not only a mutant but has magical powers. Um is very important yeah. to all this. So then they they have a big battle with the bear and ultimately win. And right at this minute I can't quite remember how they won it. And then at the end, Professor X shows up and brings in another mutant who helps Danny heal so she won't be uh paralyzed for life technically Storm us yes yeah. um, and i i believe it's all about them working as a team so that's kind of formative to the uh, so i'm giving a really just the simple thing they fight this bear that's a demon and they all have to work together
0: <laughs> yeah it's a very quick description. You hit most of the major notes, but there as we go through this, I think you'll see like there's some elements of this that make this a more interesting story. Like there's there's a very clear through line. Yeah. I would I didn't mean to imply it's not an interesting movie. story,
1: because I definitely believe it is.
0: I, I don't believe you were. I, I was just I'm saying this more for the audience's sake because it sounds kind of cut and dry and why would this take three issues? But um, this is a classic. They're making a movie out of this for a reason. You know, uh, this is. Oh, I didn't realize they're making a movie. <laughs> That's part of the reason I picked to do it now. Is there's this movie right around the corner based on these issues.
1: I just thought you got your issues of New Mutants and you were like, "Wow, look at this art. We ought to cover this."
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, that is, I did start just reading the New Mutants and got to it. I mean, this is uh, this is the earlier new mutants story that's the big one so i thought it'd be good to cover because i think it's better if we cover stories with some prestige sometimes just to
1: movies give prestige
0: well this has been i mean if you're going to point to a story of the original new mutants run it is this or the kind of the arc the last like year of the new beans, which is basically just leading to X-Force, which is pretty well renowned. And there's a couple other moments in there that I've heard talked about, but I mean, mostly I, this run is overlooked, I believe. And I think a lot of that has
1: to do with the intro coming in. So. Right. Like people like me who just kind of dropped it right away because they didn't get much out of the first few issues. Yeah. Cause they, they're not the best. Um,
0: but okay. So the story, like we were saying, there's this beautiful page with the quilt, which I think is more just like a, here's our new artist kind of page almost. Um,
1: yeah, it's kind of a mission statement. This is not your regular superhero comic all of a sudden. God, I mean, how many comics do you see do
0: anything on this level
1: anymore? I mean, there's a reason Sinkevich is a legend. Yeah, no, um, this stuff is way better than most of your top artists right now. Who, you know, supposedly take a lot more time than artists did back then to do their work. And I'm going to say this is better than most of
0: Sienkiewicz's stuff in general as well. Like this is, I think, the best thing he's done. I'm not a big fan of that electrographic novel and whatnot, um, but this is good use. And also because there's a lot of dream sequences, his more psychedelic art style really fits
1: well, I have to say that I, I am not someone who followed. I, I would admire Sinkovics work once he became Bill Sinkovic So Bill Sinkovich. Once he became the Bill Sinkovich that we know, but I then did not eagerly follow his work because it, it looked nice, but it was kind of off-putting in terms of storytelling because it was so intense. Right. And this walks that line, I think. It walks right up to that line, but manages to keep the storytelling going. I'd agree with that. And I mean, as we go
0: through the story, it's going to be hard to keep pointing to the art necessarily, but just know the art does take this to the next level. I, Again, I think this is his best work. And, you know, I mean, he's a name, but I mean, this is like the best thing he's done.
1: It really makes Claremont's story sing. It, it transforms his idea into something that seems profound and mythical on a level that you don't normally get when you're trying to be mythical in a comic book.
0: And I think a big part of that is is it's mythical, but it's not trying to be epic.
1: True. It's mythical, but it's very human. And Sinkovich can give us both of those things.
0: And I think Claremont has a a big point there. So we open on these first few pages with the mansion being destroyed. Um, It's Rachel Phoenix... Um, who we basically know it's her because she's talking about her mental powers doing this. And then Xavier gets blown away. And
1: this is the biggest misstep of these issues.
0: Oh, I was going to say it it opens on a thud. Because how do you even make sense of this if you're coming in fresh? And this is the biggest problem with the New Mutants book as far as I've read. And I've read a good chunk beyond this at this point. Um, it is very much a B-book to the X-Men, but it has its own cast and whatnot, but it's slave to certain events going on, because I believe Claremont was very worried about continuity, where these characters When were. was
1: this character, Rachel, introduced into the regular X-Men was she in Days of Future Past? I don't even recall her.
0: No, she, wasn't, she was not post-Days of Future Past, but she's before issue 200 because a very prominent issue of hers is 199, I remember. But I haven't read that chunk of
1: X-Men yet. I actually,
0: yeah. So I don't know exactly when she comes in. but um, I mean,
1: I don't think she's that well-known of a character to readers yet that you would leave her unexplained, but she is unexplained.
0: And worse than that, the
1: the, the older version of herself that's sort of time-traveled between alternate timelines to our timeline has now short red hair that makes her look like the werewolf character.
0: Right. She looks identical to Rain the way it's drawn here. And so it's very confusing to readers of this book, who I'm reading this book as just this book right now, and Rain is Wolfsbane.
1: Sorry for the people on the listening not looking at the video, but I've just found a panel where who would know that isn't the same redhead that appeared earlier if you weren't really on top of things. It's a young, short girl,
0: you know, white girl. And you can't see Rachel's eyes, so the color of her eyes wouldn't even be distinguishing. Technically, Rachel has hair that goes down like a bob, whereas Rain has um more of just a flat top kind of deal but it, it's such a it, because of the panels and the lack of like there's only three panels with rachel that actually show her hair maybe four and then we go to rain like it's such a
1: detail to try and hone in on versus not it's just confusing and i i mean i guess we shouldn't spend too much time on it but the other thing is we start by looking at this girl sleeping under the blanket and then on the next page we're looking at Professor X mansion. So I thought we're in the same time, but we're actually somewhere else on the second page, Which, but it's not clear at all.
0: Right. It's a very weird opening. And honestly, the story would be better if we just didn't have it.
1: And, and it's, I mean, we saw this in the earliest Ec- Claremont X-Men where he would, you know, show Professor X having dreams of outer space with no explanation of it until many issues later. So it's him up to his old tricks, but maybe.
0: Well, and also, like you're looking at this page right now, that it it the top half is a double double page spread, and then the bottom half is panels. But the top half is
1: Professor X Xavier
0: getting shot to death, and then they just kind of move on from there. And it's like you can't have a story that kills a principal character and just pretend it didn't happen it's so it's such a bad opening. yeah
1: it's so we're here to tell you if you do go and read this ignore those three pages <laughs> don't let them yeah. get because then it i was off balance for quite a while wondering well is this what the x-men are now like what we're seeing with the new mutants is this where professor x is dead although i did gather there was some time travel involved so
0: Yeah, and so let me just do a quick rundown real quick because it might help listeners who are less familiar or lapse memory or whatever. So the New Mutants are uh, Sam, who's Cannonball, uh, who's from the South. uh,
1: He's the blonde guy, then, the tallest of them.
0: Yeah. Um, And then we have Sunspot, um, Bobby, who's... he's from you know He looks
1: the coolest he's from brazil i think he's
0: I yeah think. he's from brazil uh, he has this whole he's actually the coolest character and supposed to i think be one of the standouts um but he can basically make so sorry cannonball when he's blasting um is invincible and can just like throw himself at anything um sunspot is can transform so he's basically all black he can kind of throw energy bolts and is stronger for
1: it um rain wolf spain I appreciated they mentioned that Sunspot is not invincible. So he's super powerful, but not invincible. He has to be careful not to get hurt. I liked that touch because often it's just assumed all superheroes are invincible and can, you know, be hit with sledgehammers and not get hurt. Or something.
0: <laughs> so Wolfsbane Rain is the super conservative... A girl from scotland who can turn into a werewolf and also kind of put herself in this transitional state and stay there um which is a big part of a lot of the other issues and um the big thing about her is she's moira's adopted daughter basically Uh, so she actually has a lot more ties to the general x community than other characters
1: and she's Um, the redhead who confused me
0: right um and then we have Magma, who's this girl from Rome, and who's essentially a girl out of time, um, learning. But she's supposed to be super smart.
1: Uh, which one is uh, she? This? Uh, no, she's not the Asian girl. Then she's no, no, not no, on no. the cover of the, the first issue that I'm looking at. No,
0: she's not introduced till later. Okay. Is she? In, is she part of the group here in Immune's um, AD? In the Demon Bear Saga, okay. she is. Yes. And then the other one in the Demon Bear Saga is, or one of them. Is um Magic Iliana, who's technically introduced into the book later. Um, she's Colossus's sister, but she has this whole weird backstory that happened at this point in her own little mini-series where she was taken to this realm
1: called uh That was drawn by John Buscema. So if you've read that, you've read some John Buscema. Oh, okay, there we go. Um into limbo. And there
0: she's like tortured and aged up and it's very wonky tale, and she gets her powers there, which aren't ever fully defined, at least as far as I've read. But she gets like a magic sword, and uh she can do some teleportation and other weird things. And then the principal character of this arc is Danny Moonstar, who's Mirage, who can basically empathetically like read people and also like project things things to them that they'll believe are
1: real. In The New Mutants 1, I mean it was a bit confusing to me because I hadn't read the graphic novel. In The New Mutants 1, uh Danny projects what's the Asian girl's name again? She's Vietnamese and she's been raped. And Danny projects her memories of being raped to the other people. That was a pretty striking thing in what looks like a kids comic because it's got these kids on the cover. Yeah,
0: I, that character drops off pretty quick, it feels like. Um, I can't remember her name, but...
1: Is she in 18? Oh, now i get not sure. Anyway, that's the only time that I, in, in these few issues that I read, saw uh, Danny use her powers. Yeah,
0: it's... I don't know. It's just kind of important. I think going into these things, kind of know at least some names, some powers, some basic things. Which was funny, because you were kind of lost going in. And it's funny to me, because every comic is someone's first comic right but so often when you or i walk into a comic we know enough about whatever we're walking into to assume and know certain things and here i think we had a very interesting moment where you were trying to just walk into a run and read it but you didn't have the familiarity to read it which is
1: something we rarely run into anymore and i was going to you who's the redhead (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I especially assume that I would have picked up who characters are from a comic book from 1983, 84. I, I think I was lucky that I knew a good bit of Ileana's backstory, because otherwise I think that part would have confused the heck out of me, too.
0: Right. And so I think it's just a good reminder that, you know, people who are fresher to comics or fresher to a certain chunk of comics, you know, like nowadays there's wikipedia it's so much easier to access back issues or whatever but it's still kind of as much as we want to believe you can just kind of access stories or whatever it takes a certain familiarity to even be able to do that and it's a good
1: reminder and i think you know another difference between when we were reading chris claremont in 1975 76 versus 1983 84 was the rise of the comic book store. And I don't know if they should have been doing this, but I think that the writers at this point were very aware of their comic book store audience, who were the more hardcore readers. And they, I think they were writing more for them at this point, and and from this point onwards in comic book. Well, and especially in a book like yeah. this, right? Right, because they were the fan favorites. Um, and by it was right around this time, or maybe a few years earlier, that they started Releasing some comics that only went to comic book stores, uh, Marvel had a a couple of those like that, like Kazar I remember, was comic book store only, and a few others. I think Dazzler started out comic book store only, although I might be wrong about that. And again, probably you would not encounter the um, New Mutants graphic novel if you weren't a comic book store attendee, because the graphic novel is not going to show up at your drugstore.
0: You couldn't even order that through the mail-in.
1: Probably not, yeah. There were two audiences at this point, I suppose, the people who got the newsstand comics and the people who discovered comic book stores. Um, but back to the story. Um, well, well, you introduced all the characters, and then the, the central character here is, is Danny, the um, American Indian character who is being haunted by this demon bear who she believes had killed her parents. Did it also kill her grandfather? Yes. Right. It's been coming for right. Her. And she can't and, uh, tell anyone about it. Um, I forget if it's just a matter of pride or no one can help her.
0: It's mostly pride
1: and, um,
0: and kind of this, And you get a sense of this, because uh, building up to the scene we're looking at, she's training in the danger room, and she's training against fighting this bear. And one of her teammates is basically like, you know, I get you've been training so much lately, and that's one thing, but why a bear? You're like, what are you doing? A bear. Which is so that was a moment that really hit me because the whole idea of like the demon bear hit me as kind of kooky, just hearing it out loud for the first time. But in that scene and knowing and having read to this point, the demon bears brought up a few times before this, it's seated before the story. And the idea of it is actually pretty menacing. I mean, bears are intimidating And the idea that this demon spirit is taking the form of a bear to fight her, just this thing of muscle and claw is it's formidable and whatnot. I mean, I know demon bear sounds a little goofy until you actually think about it. It's like, imagine a demon-possessed bear is coming to attack you.
1: That's scary. Yeah, and I I didn't know about this story. So when you first mentioned it to me, I thought it sounded pretty goofy, but it actually turns out the bear is a uh, very scary and uh, built up between the artist and writer into a also a formidable sort of magical creature well and the fact that
0: danny's apache and from colorado and indian and all that like this demon bear coming after feels a lot more organic and it's a great element of how diversity actually makes stories work at times because if this was coming after uh cannonball it wouldn't even quite have the same tone yeah
1: right it's 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 a, a story and a uh, monster that fits the character perfectly and even as as we wind up towards the end and everything's fully revealed it even matches the character even more right so
0: after this training session danny goes out and basically taunts the bear into fighting and we get this single page that is just one page it's just an image of her looking up at this bear that's like 3 times her height with these giant claws it's
1: it's a mountain of a bear and she oh, yeah. looks like it's, a tiny girl who cannot you I know mean, it's horrifying that a girl a little girl has to fight this kind of supernatural monster i mean this would be intimidating for wolverine like this
0: is this is something else and i mean that page really cemented the art for me and like i don't know the threats there and if you if you can't get into the mood with this page
1: i don't know what you're doing reading comics like this is what we show up for and i don't know if i i I kind of was unsure what her powers were at this point later i went back and read issue one to try to figure that out but she is not able to use her powers against this bear she's just a girl with a bow and arrow
0: well, arguably, this bear is her powers being used against herself. Ah, I hadn't thought of that. Which is something interesting, because right. she kind of has of something psychic, psyche-related. Right, she's kind of able to like read people's emotions, spring against her. But there's this malevolent spirit that's killed her parents and is coming for her. But it's never really taken full physical form like this to this point, and now it has that she's called out for it, and so.
1: There's that kind of element to this, which I think is interesting. I guess then that reduces, that seems in conflict with what does happen at the end, or what's revealed at the end. I I don't think it is, because
0: I believe at this point in the story, that comes to bear because she's so frightened of it. But as she takes control and relies on her friends, then she's able to kind of manipulate it more so it's part of the character growth idea i believe i'm reading into this is my reading
1: and as we go through the as we go through the issues we see the bear has a special need to kill her somehow she's the only thing between it and its ultimate uh i forget what its ultimate goal is but (laughs) i guess it's it's planning to get make its magic world sort of overtake our world and the other thing I can say, uh, we're looking at the last, the final splash page of the first issue of the story, and there's a splatter of blood, and normally these kind of uh, injuries aren't a big deal, but but this book, especially the next issue, convinces us it really is a big deal. Um, and right. so I kind of put aside my normal sort of, eh, they're injured, who cares, it's not going to matter.
0: And I think that's important. That's part of the reason why the story is so horrifying in some ways is like she takes on this giant thing, she does the superhero thing. she does the killing shot. she does she has this fight, and then she gets sh- hid in the stomach. and then she's left there to bleed out and her friends find her. And it's this very solemn page that's you know in the stow in the snow with the footprints and this giant tree in a lake. It's very quiet. And I think that's important for horror at any time is to shut up and let it sink in.
1: Right. And then the the next issue, I think a large portion of it is at the hospital. And yes. In fact, the splash page starts with her being carried into the hospital.
0: Right and they're putting her in there and the nurse quickly notes like why does she have war paint on which i thought was interesting and also kind of weird that this you know middle of new york doctor knows what apache war paint would be at like in a glance with yeah
1: that may be a bit too convenient but
0: i mean it doesn't really impact the story i just thought it was an interesting detail
1: They and you definitely you feel like this is a bunch of kids at a hospital. It's not a superhero story at this point and the pain of your friend, you know, possibly about to die.
0: And that's the thing about the new mutants is they're not really superheroes. They keep getting thrown to these situations at this point, just because they're mutants and they're associated with some people. But I mean, that's it. They're not really supposed to be superheroes. That's kind of the impetus of it, which
1: makes it uh, more harrowing at points. And this, (laughs) this emphasizes to me what a bad father, so to speak, Charles Xavier is. He just sort of leaves these kids who could be vulnerable to all kinds of things Alone at times. Oh, I mean, they really explore that in the next arc, which
0: is Legion. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if I have a whole lot to say other than that this was, you know, I again probably would have thought if you told me there's a, most of the issue takes place while they wait around at the hospital, I would have thought, eh, I'm not that interested. But it actually um, was riveting and, you know, added to the horror.
0: Well, and a big thing here is Rain transforms into a werewolf, but it's very bestial, very different. They spend some time commenting on it. And it does something to set this issue off. Like something's different. It's tapping into magic and it's affecting a good number of the characters. And so the cast really comes together in a number of ways here. And it's very interesting to kind of see that interplay. And I think... You know, that character selection, that interplay really is a lot of what makes it work. Yeah.
1: Everyone seems so fragile here. Even the police who are working at the hospital and the doctors mm-hmm. and the nurses. Um, they're all it, they all feel in danger. Definitely. It's a it's a horror story. Right. And so ah,
0: there's a lot of little things that happen for the series as we go on there's a there's a couple pages we skipped it over in the last issue and it's here in this one about um star jammers building up well oh, sorry. yeah sorry. star jammers but building up till um lockheed and um oh my god the robot guy coming in
1: why am i spacing his name robot guy oh, oh there's sorry. stuff about iliana getting robotic
0: well, that's Skin a separate thing. That's
1: a separate, another thing. So uh, Claremont doesn't let go with all his constant seeding of other plots that are going to pay off later. Is, yeah, Warlock. That's the character uh, I'm looking for,
0: Warlock. Um, and then, yeah, Iliana magic, is getting this weird magical armor that's coming up because of this, but that continues on past this arc. Um, but it all plays in and then we end with the cop and the nurse from the story kind of their souls being held in check while uh danny's soul is also there in a different state all with the the bear kind of holding it as he's pulled the rest of the new mutants into this other realm that he's taken over and kind of destroyed and he's coming for earth next
1: yeah, it says, the bear couldn't beat us on our own turf, so he transported us to his. It's summertime all of a sudden. They're somewhere out west, but we know now it's Colorado. Or another dimension,
0: which happens a lot when Colorado is brought into a comics. Happened in Superman, too. You live in
1: a mythical land. I guess. I wish it was cool. It doesn't end up like that a lot. <laughs> Nowhere's cool if you actually live there. It's only cool when when people imagine it.
0: Well, you're in the middle of riots
1: and all that going on right now. That has to be exciting, right? I haven't seen a single riot. <laughs> they're very, they're localized somewhere to a block or two. I I read about it on Twitter. But yeah, so now we again get to kind of an issue that, again, if you told me about it, oh, they're fighting on this abstract, mystical Colorado, I'd say, ah, You know, I've seen a million Marvel comics where the bad guy transports you to some other realm where you have to fight him. But this isn't at all like that. And it's quite horrific when he takes the... when the bear takes the souls, takes over the souls of the uh, nurse and the the policeman and makes them into his own monsters.
0: Well, it's an interesting inversion on a number of horror tropes, actually, because normally the reason why transporting to another realm doesn't read as much of anything is because the superheroes are going somewhere that they can knock stuff around and there's no real consequences right like it's a it's a place to have a brawl yes here the neemians are being pulled from the hospital where their friend is that they want to be but they don't want to be because they're incredibly incredibly uncomfortable and now they're in this dry bright area and this bear is looming large like this is where he wants to be and they're just laid to bear like they they can't hide behind any cloak or anything and so th- this like daylight and place that's the inversion of where they're supposed to be that's dark is not how horror normally operates i think that's a big reason why this is so striking is because it's so
1: different uh, from how these stories normally play out just visually and the operating room has been magically transported here too which adds to the suspense you know if everything goes wrong here uh danny could could die for good too um, not to mention and they're all trying these to doctors, protect the
0: dark you know. in a way
1: yeah so all of this though you know if it had been drawn by sal Busema or something might have looked a lot like a lot of other Marvel stories. So I especially once we get to this mystical realm, I really think to, you know, change it into something special has a lot to do with the artist. Right. Not that I wouldn't have loved it when if Sal Busema did it, but it would have just resembled a lot of other stuff that had already been done. It would
0: not be the same comic. It would have not sung. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Like the art sells this story in a way that we rarely see.
1: So now this is weird because I've read this just a few days ago, but I can't remember exactly how they defeat the bear. Do you? Uh,
0: So it's a combination of their powers. Um, So Ilyana is... Key magic is key because she has this uh, soul sword that can kind of disrupt magic. Um, but she's attacked it before and it hasn't worked. Um, but Wolfspain Rain is able to connect to Moonstar while she's on the table to kind of learn more about the bear. But she only contacts her twice. The first time she does because they're able to, and so they're trying to figure it out. But the process of doing so almost kills uh, Moonstar. And so when she goes to contact her again, it's only because of the double deliberation of the entire team, which is actually Sam's biggest moment to say like, look, we have to, I, I don't want her to die. But if we don't defeat this bear, our world, everyone in it dies. And that's a decision that shouldn't be put on anywhere. And Danny would want us to, push for this if she had a say and so he it's it's interesting because it's his biggest leadership moment so far and after this arc he basically seeds leadership to moonstar which has been developing for a while but right before he does he basically steps up and takes charge of the team as the elder one there which is big for him um Amara magma's there i don't know she doesn't really too much um but basically what they find out is basically how to hit this bear like a- as a mystical entity in a weird way that part is kind of washed over which is kind of weird because they contact Annie to figure it out and then magic knows how to hit her or hit the bear so that they can defeat him and then it's basically done after all this fighting this one big slash that happens after like cannonball and magma basically set up the bear And, yeah, basically, uh, Magic cuts the bear in half. And then they're back at the hospital.
1: (laughs) And the parents come out of the bear.
0: But they come out. Like,
1: they were somehow, their souls or something were part of this bear or absorbed into the bear.
0: They were killed and essentially absorbed as the bear. And what they're doing is they're giving Moonstar kind of a happier ending. But now they're alive, right? well now they're back yeah and so there's a victory for her in it but also the cop and the nurse become native americans oh right that was a weird touch
1: which continues
0: on later in the other issues do
1: these characters the cop and the nurse show up again yeah
0: they do um it's a weird dilemma because the people are so worried about them being able to return the horrible thing that's been happened to them like i I mean don't get me wrong it's weird Mm -hmm. But it's not, like, horrible. It's just
1: weird. Right? <laughs> do the parents, do uh, Moonstar's parents show up much afterwards?
0: They're, like, mentioned, but not oh. really. No. Which is weirder, right? Yeah. You think they'd come back, and then these other characters kind and of... And they might they even have immersed, a question. Like,
1: do we really want our daughter, now that she isn't an orphan, do we want her to be with um professor x
0: well at this point it's funny because when she first enters the new units she's the most rebellious but she actually takes to uh the team the strongest after they kind of earn her trust and she sees the good that she can do because she's basically isolationist and i don't know how claremont was trying to play it if she was somewhat earned and deserved but somewhat racist or, or not racist but like isolationist um, She didn't want to deal with anyone. She was only out for her own people and her own interests, and whatnot and with the team. She sees the good that she can do, how she's developing herself, the people around her and the world in general. And so she's realizing that being a part of this team and doing this stuff actually gives her the ability to do more in the world. And I know tangentially that when the new mutants reboot, when it, she's still kind of the principal character and she's the one bringing people together because she believes in, the mission of trying to help others so much and so uh she's a very transformed character and obviously this arc is major to her character
1: i do th- you know if i were to, to be chris claremont's editor i might have suggested keeping her paralyzed for quite a while before resolving that but she is oh okay well they talk about how she's going to be fine.
0: Yeah, I guess she's not paralyzed, but she's on the mend for a long time.
1: I I think the idea
0: is to set it so that she will be able to heal heal so that she won't be paralyzed completely. And I I actually believe, because this is still under the code, Mm -hmm. so I think they had to have the language there. Because I'm pretty... I mean, I don't know if there's a hard line, but the code also had to approve comics individually. And so I think immobilizing a minor would have pushed more boundaries than they wanted to. (laughs) And they were probably already
1: on the edge with uh, the rest of this issue. I'm going to read out loud the parents' explanation just because I want to. We weren't killed, but enslaved, transformed into the demon bear you fought, a foul corruption of our sacred symbol of courage and integrity. We were meant to do the same to you, only my father's your grandfather black Eagle's spells kept us at bay all we could do was haunt your dreams until his death but then you'd left the mountains forcing us to hunt you down we tried to resist any but we were helpless our master enjoyed making us suffer our anguish was its pleasure but what was it dad what's behind this and why but i don't think we're told and that's a big part of it and i actually think
0: that's smart a lot of horror is set around the idea of not knowing and not answering all the questions sometimes is a better way to leave it to let you wonder and marvel and wrestle with it. It
1: leaves me wondering if it really was a creation of her parents and they were accidentally created something evil.
0: Well, no, I mean, this did take them in and it did ultimately kill the grandfather. Who's the character you see in the graphic novel. Um, I do believe there's a connection between her power to it and her like growing fear of it and manifestation of her power like all that that is tangentially played through but not necessarily Mm -hmm. explicitly stated um i don't know it's it's a very compelling comic it is somewhat messy it's not perfect it's not tight in every way but it's it's compelling through and through.
1: Well, and I presume it was done still in the Marvel method, where Chris Claremont just gave Bill Sienkiewicz a summary of what should go on in the issue, and then Sienkiewicz kind of went home and drew it all up, and then and then Claremont had to write dialogue in each panel, which is maybe why it kind of wraps up in this, as a lot of Marvel comics do. <laughs> When they were still doing it this way, with a lot of info dumping at the end to explain everything, yeah. Did you? Did um, you? Sorry, I'm. Sorry, you were going to say something. Go ahead. And then I have another question for you. Go ahead. Well, did you read this on the original newsprint? Because I know you've been buying issues, or did you read this digitally, the way I did? Oh no, I I read this in issues. Okay. Did the art look as good on newsprint? Because I'm kind of wondering if this kind of Super inky artwork.
0: Yes, yeah, Sinkevich definitely looks better on this digital with the clean white backgrounds than his kind of sketchy stuff's able to stand out, not necessarily bleeding. Like you just flip back to the page where Magic cuts the bear in half, and it's this very inky thing with the cut being the white and the bear being all the black. And it looks so much more dynamic on the digital than on the physical yeah. that i have and the physical i have is like a it's a reader copy so the pages are slightly yellowed um things have blurred maybe a little bit especially with this being an older comic and so it 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 looks good but it doesn't have the pop the flare and it is somewhat frustrating that i've now spent all this money on collecting kind of like three issues away from having the entire run um but I'm doing all this, and then I see the digital, and I'm like, I could just read the digital, and it's a little bit better, (laughs) and that's so frustrating. Well, it's
1: better for an artist like this. Or, you know, if it were reprinted on some deluxe version, it would be well worth getting. I think that's another thing that maybe at the time kept me from being as excited about Sinkovic, Sinkovic as I should have been because it didn't work quite as well on newsprint as it does. So when he did the the uh electro book, that was not on newsprint, that was on Baxter paper or whatever they used at the time for their deluxe work. But still it must have been mind blowing at the time and I kind of regret that I wasn't following him into New Mutants when he came here. I remember collecting his uh I remember watching his transformation on Moon Knight.
0: But I mean we're we're 20 issues in and so you would have been roughly two
1: years into the book so i mean yeah and i had you would have read issue one and two perhaps or maybe issue one and then issue seven or you know something like that and then given up
0: uh, don't get me wrong i've i've had fun reading through this book i think it's interesting and i think it's compelling to s- n- see where some of these characters are and knowing where they're going actually makes it more fun for me rain's actually my favorite character in here but so much of that is informed by where she ends up in peter david's x-force seeing her as the young catholic schoolgirl, basically in here knowing that she becomes effectively the ex-catholic uh later which is well-seeded throughout this run, is very compelling to read. Whereas a lot of these other characters, um, Sunspot's a dynamic character here, but I don't know if he has the same growth later. Uh, Cannibal's interesting, but I know he just has some hard changes throughout the years. And throughout these issues, he actually doesn't grow all that much, which is actually his character trait compared to the others, which is...
1: An uh, unusual one for Claremont. Well, I think what I would want to do is, you know, I've been in omnibus form slowly reading Claremont's Run. I don't know if I'll ever get that far, actually, because um, since we did, since we did our um, our podcast on the very earliest Claremont issues, I've worked my way up through most of the rest of that omnibus, and then I have another omnibus that I haven't even started. Um, but if I ever get up to 1983 Claremont X-Men, I think I would then want to be reading New Mutants also to see the whole tapestry. But by itself, I'm not sure if I would want to read it. It's fair.
0: It's it's a weird split. And I mean, it's fun reading through Claremont, but it's so voluminous and so kind of interconnected. And Claremont's known for being adding all this extra verbiage you don't necessarily need and whatnot. It's a... It's its own little thing. It's crazy to think that for a while Claremont just owned a corner of Marvel and just kept
1: going. And it was the corner it's of Marvel that was else. selling. I mean, it was, it was I, I mean, I don't know the figures, but I think by this point it was, you know, the, the bedrock of, of the company.
0: I mean, there was some standout stuff too. I mean, there's still Spider-Man going and whatnot, but I mean, yeah, I think there's some big stuff. I know Rom was going. One of the weirdest thing about the New Mutants to me was that it was co-created with McLeod, um...
1: Bob McLeod.
0: Yeah, Bob McLeod, who only did like the graphic novel and then three issues and then moved on. It's just, I don't know. There, there's a lot of oddity going on in this book, and it's fun, but it's. It's not Marvel's strongest. It's not Claremont's strongest. But I mean, of the New Mutant stories, especially of the ones Claremont did, this is the standout.
1: Well, I think it would, with a movie coming out, maybe there's a chance they would put out a oversized edition of this and maybe some related stories. By, it would be great to see the Sinkovic given the, the really large hardback treatment. I do have an idea for our next... Wait, now I'm getting the title wrong. Is it The New Frontier by uh, Darwin Cook? Because that was what it was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, New Frontier. Yeah, I'd like to reread that. And it's relatively contained. I think it's about, is it about six issues long? I'm, ass- I'm just assuming you've read it once, but uh, it's been quite a while since I've read it.
0: I don't think I've ever...
1: No, that's not true. I read it
0: once, and then I've seen the animated one once... I remember it not being my favorite at the time, but I've been curious to revisit it.